Welcome back to The Last Week in Medicine. I'm Stephen Jenkins, and it's December 29th, 2020. This horrible year is almost over. Austin is taking the week off, probably skiing or something. And it being the holidays and all, I didn't try that hard to find a replacement for him. So I'm trying a little experiment today and doing a solo episode. It might be terrible. There have been a few good articles that came out this week that I think we will save for next week's episode. Today I wanted to focus on COVID-19 and thrombosis. You've probably heard a lot about how COVID-19 is associated with increased risk of venous and arterial thromboembolism. Anecdotally, I have seen lots of COVID-19 patients who've also had PE at the time of presentation, and many who have developed DVTs while in the hospital. A lot of theories have been postulated as to why COVID-19 is so prothrombotic. We don't fully understand the pathophysiology, but a lot of it likely has to do with COVID-19 causing a severe inflammatory syndrome with cytokine release and yada yada. On top of that, these are critically ill patients with profound hypoxemia and often have prolonged immobilization. Some have proposed direct endothelial injury by the virus as a mechanism and others have suggested that the thrombosis in COVID is more platelet-dependent. Studies have consistently found elevated D-dimer, fibrinogen, and factor VIII levels, as well as a decrease in the levels of the body's endogenous anticoagulants, protein C, protein S, and antithrombin-3. One study of 19 patients found that 53% of them had antiphospholipid antibodies. Another study tested 57 patients for lupus anticoagulant, and 50 were positive. Histopathology of the lungs from an autopsy series in Germany revealed microvascular thromboemboli, and some have proposed that a portion of clots in the pulmonary vessels are thromboses in situ, not embolic. One of the alarming things about thrombosis in COVID patients is that it appears to happen frequently in patients despite being on prophylactic anticoagulation. In April, Clock et al. published a retrospective analysis in the journal Thrombosis Research of 184 ICU patients with COVID-19. All the patients received at least standard prophylactic doses of low molecular weight heparin, and 27% had VTE, and 3.7% had arterial thrombotic events. In May, Helms et al. published a retrospective analysis in the journal Intensive Care Medicine of 150 patients with ARDS due to COVID-19. The rate of PE in these patients was 16.7% despite prophylactic and sometimes therapeutic anticoagulation. They compared COVID ARDS patients to a sample of non-COVID ARDS patients, and the risk of thrombotic events, mainly PE, was significantly higher in COVID ARDS patients. In September, Shaw et al. published a retrospective study in the journal Critical Care of 187 patients across four tertiary care ICUs in the United Kingdom. 89% of them were on mechanical ventilation, 43% had thrombotic complications, with 13% having arterial thrombotic complications, despite 95% of patients being on prophylactic or therapeutic anticoagulation. 8% had bleeding complications, with 4.8% having major bleeding. Patients with thrombotic complications had a median length of stay of 17 days versus 12 days in patients without thrombosis. In November, Piazza et al. published data in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology from a registry of 1,114 patients with COVID-19 in the Mass General Brigham Health Network, which included 172 ICU patients, 229 hospitalized patients, and 715 outpatients. 
89% of the ICU patients had VTE prophylaxis, but despite that, 35% had a major arterial or venous thromboembolism, with 27% having a symptomatic VTE. Interestingly, 77% of the DVTs were catheter and device-related. 84.7% of the hospitalized patients had VTE prophylaxis, and only 2.6% had a major arterial or venous thromboembolic event. Of the 715 outpatients with COVID, none had a documented venous or arterial clot. So that's reassuring for our outpatient population with COVID. Lots of other people have published rates of thrombotic complications, This month, Porfidia et al. published a meta-analysis of 30 studies with 3,487 hospitalized COVID patients in the journal Thrombosis Research. Overall incidence of VTE was 26%. Some of these studies did routine surveillance for DVT. When these studies were excluded, the overall incidence was 17%. The incidence of VTE was higher in ICU patients, 24%, compared to ward patients, 9%, despite use of thromboprophylaxis. Another meta-analysis was published this month in a letter to the editor in the journal Thrombosis Research by Knutsor et al. This meta-analysis included 35 observational studies comprising 9,249 hospitalized COVID patients. Pooled incidence of VTE was 18.4%, with 13.5% for PE and 11.8% for DVT. Okay, so that was a lot of studies to go through, but just wanted to drive home the point that the incidence of clot is pretty high in ICU patients, around 25%, and overall incidence in hospitalized COVID-19 patients is around 17 to 18%. And this is despite very prevalent use of thromboprophylaxis. So why are people getting clots despite prophylaxis? One study by Dutt et al., published in June in the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine, looked at 22 ward patients with COVID-19 and 20 ICU patients with COVID-19 who were all receiving 40 milligrams of Lovenox daily. They checked anti-10A levels four hours after their dose. A level of 0.2 to 0.4 was considered in range for prophylactic dosing. 95% of ICU patients had an anti-10A level less than 0.2, with an average of 0.1. Only 27% of ward patients had an anti-10A level less than 0.2. This might explain why so many COVID patients in the ICU develop clots despite prophylactic anticoagulation. Patients in the ICU are more likely to develop heparin resistance due to acquired antithrombin deficiency. Or maybe that critically ill patients with COVID-19 generate excessive thrombin and therefore need higher doses of heparin. So because people were getting clots despite standard doses of prophylaxis, lots of people started recommending using higher doses of anticoagulation. Some recommended intermediate dose anticoagulation while others recommended full-dose anticoagulation. One center in Belgium treated all their ICU patients prophylactically with an intermediate dose of nadraparin, a low molecular weight heparin, at 3,800 units every 12 hours. They did duplex ultrasounds of the patient's legs at the time of admission and twice a week, as well as anti-10A monitoring. If the patient was found to have a DVT and their anti-10A level was less than 0.5, they increased the dose with a goal of 0.5 to 1.0. If there was no DVT, they checked anti-10A levels with a goal of 0.4 to 0.6 for prophylaxis. They did a pre- and post-intervention analysis. 46 patients were in the usual care group before, and 26 patients were in the intermediate dose group. They found a reduction in thrombosis rates from 41% to 15%. They did not report on bleeding rates with the higher low molecular weight heparin dose. 
There was a letter published in July in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology by Paranjpe et al. that re- reported a retrospective analysis of 2,773 patients with COVID in the Mount Sinai Health System in New York City. 28% of them received therapeutic dose anticoagulation, but they don't say what, for what indications. Patients on therapeutic dose anticoagulation were more likely to require invasive mechanical ventilation, 29.8 versus 8.1%. And in patients on mechanical ventilation, the patients who got therapeutic anticoagulation had mortality rates of 29% compared to 62.7% of the patients who did not get therapeutic anticoagulation. Bleeding rates were low in both groups. A lot of people saw this report and decided it was good evidence to support empiric therapeutic anticoagulation in severe COVID-19 patients. But is therapeutic anticoagulation associated with improved outcomes in COVID-19? In June, Freyse et al. published a research letter in critical care of 92 ICU patients with COVID. 50% of the patients were put on a full-dose anticoagulation without a confirmed VTE. 21% of the patients in the study had a major bleeding event, 84% of which were on full-dose anticoagulation. 14% of the bleeding events were fatal. In December, Musoke et al. published a single-center retrospective analysis in the journal Thrombosis Research of 355 patients with COVID. 29% of their patients received therapeutic anticoagulation. 32% of those patients received therapeutic anticoagulation for VTE and 19% for new AFib, but 44% of them received therapeutic anticoagulation just because they had COVID, often because they had a rising D-dimer. Patients on therapeutic anticoagulation had a higher rate of major bleeding, 11% versus 2%. 60% of the bleeding was GI bleeds and 15% was CNS-related, and all the patients with CNS bleeds died. The mortality rate of the patients who received therapeutic anticoagulation was 41.6% versus 15.3%. Now, obviously, there could be significant confounding and selection bias there, A third of the patients on therapeutic anticoagulation had new VTE, so they were sicker patients. And elevated D-dimers have also been associated with higher mortality rate in COVID-19, and this was the most common reason patients were started on therapeutic anticoagulation. It could be that they were going to die anyway with or without therapeutic anticoagulation. Interestingly, 7% of the patients received intermediate dose prophylaxis, and they did not have more bleeding than patients on regular prophylaxis. There was also a very interesting observational study by Patel et al. published in December in Thrombosis Update of 1,716 patients hospitalized with COVID-19. 10% of the patients were already on therapeutic anticoagulation for AFib or prior VTE. 76% were started on regular prophylaxis and 201 patients, or 11%, were started on therapeutic dose anticoagulation. Of those 201 patients, 99 were started on anticoagulation for new VTE, 24 were started for new AFib, and 78 did not have an indication. In the patients who were continued on their home therapeutic anticoagulation, there was no difference in death, critical illness, or mechanical ventilation. In the 78 patients receiving new therapeutic anticoagulation without an indication, there was an increased risk of death, an odds ratio of 5.9, critical illness with an odds ratio of 14.5, and need for mechanical ventilation with an odds ratio of 11. This study did not report rates of bleeding in that group. Now, none of these are randomized controlled trials looking at therapeutic anticoagulation, but there is definitely not a signal for benefit. There are currently over 30 trials registered on clinicaltrials.gov looking at anticoagulation or thromboprophylaxis in COVID-19. 
Three international trials, the Active 4, ATT&CK, and REMAP-CAP trials came together to conduct a multiple-platform randomized controlled trial of therapeutic anticoagulation in COVID-19. They announced earlier this month that they are no longer enrolling critically ill patients because of safety concerns and futility. The Active 4 trial tweeted, After reviewing the results of interim analysis and safety reports, the study leaders have been notified that the therapeutic anticoagulation intervention has reached a pre-specified threshold for futility for ICU patients. So please stop putting patients on full-dose anticoagulation without a real indication. You could kill them. But what should we do? These patients are super high risk for developing clots, and it appears that standard prophylactic doses of anticoagulation are not enough in about a quarter of critically ill patients. Several societies have put out guidelines based on the limited data that is out there. The International Society on Thrombosis and Hemostasis, or ISTH, published some guidelines in May in the Journal of Thrombosis and Hemostasis. These guidelines were based on a survey of thrombosis experts and review of available literature They recommended standard-dose prophylactic unfractionated heparin or low-molecular-weight heparin in non-ICU hospitalized COVID patients, and 30% of respondents said that intermediate-dose low-molecular-weight heparin could be considered. For ICU patients, they recommended prophylactic-dose unfractionated heparin or low-molecular-weight heparin, and 50% of respondents recommended intermediate-dose low-molecular-weight heparin. Intermediate-dose low-molecular-weight heparin is defined as 1 mg per kilogram daily or 0.5 mg per kilogram twice a day. They recommended considering post-discharge prophylaxis for up to 30 days with low-molecular-weight heparin or DOAC if the patient is high-risk for thrombosis, which they defined as over 65 with cancer, prior VTE or thrombophilia, severe mobility, and or an elevated D-dimer. The American College of Chest Physicians published guidelines in September in the journal Chest. They recommended that all critically ill patients receive standard-dose prophylaxis with low-molecular-weight heparin, and they recommend against intermediate or therapeutic dosing. They say, although there is anecdotal and observational data that suggests an increased VTE risk in critically ill patients with COVID-19, it is not clear if the most severely ill COVID-19 patients occupy a different level of risk for VTE than other severely ill non-surgical medical ICU patients. There is also insufficient data regarding bleeding risk in this population. For non-critically ill patients, they recommend low molecular weight heparin or fondaparinux. They recommend avoiding DOACs because of potential drug-drug interactions with antiviral agents and risk of decompensation. They do not recommend post-discharge prophylaxis, and they recommend no prophylaxis for non-hospitalized patients. So what are the big takeaways? COVID-19 is associated with an elevated risk of thrombosis. Observational data suggests that ICU patients are likely to develop thrombotic complications even on standard VTE prophylaxis. This number seems to be around 25%, and ward patients are also at higher risk, around 8-9%. to Critically ill patients commonly develop heparin resistance, and this may partially explain why some patients with COVID develop thrombotic complications despite prophylaxis. Some have suggested intermediate dosing of anticoagulation for prophylaxis, but there are no randomized controlled trials published at this time, and observational data are limited. Some have suggested therapeutic dosing of anticoagulation for critically ill patients, but observational data show high rates of bleeding and other complications, and the three largest randomized controlled trials have stopped enrolling critically ill patients into the therapeutic anticoagulation arm due to safety concerns and futility. Some have suggested targeting a certain anti-10A activity level, but no one really knows what that should be, and there aren't any guidelines recommending it. 
the ISTH and ACCP have both put out guidelines which are overall pretty similar. So make sure that your patient has VTE prophylaxis, preferably a low molecular weight heparin, and keep an eye out for thrombotic complications so you can treat them in a timely manner. Alright, so that was pretty dense, but hopefully a somewhat helpful review of thrombosis and COVID-19. That's all I have for today. Hopefully we'll be back next week, and I hope you have a happy new year.